I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, and yes, we've just about extricated ourselves from Glastonbury, or at least I have. Did you guys go? Yeah, I was there a couple of days, you know, healthy two days, watching live music. Healthy two days? Mm-hmm. You know, we're professionals, aren't we, Rob? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and I am indeed, yes, talking to Ed and Kirsty from the Latitude Festival today. How are you doing? Thank you, nice to be here. Kirsty's looking very fresh-faced because she didn't go to Glastonbury. That is correct, yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not sunburnt and dehydrated no. like everyone else. And did, anyone you, else? did you make it to community, though? That's the, the key, community festival or something. No, we didn't, no. A real, a real highlight of the calendar. 35,000 Kooks fans in Finsbury Park. Cool. It went well? Yeah. <laughs> Great success. Excellent, excellent. So we'll go straight in with a few um, true or falses just to get us warmed up, get okay. us uh, into into the zone. Um, and yeah, we're, we're talking everything about Latitude Festival, which started in 2006, yeah? Yeah. So is this the 13th Latitude? I think it's number 14. Yeah, I had 14 in my head yeah. because the grand 15th celebration is 2020, 2020, which we're thinking about a lot already. Okay, yeah, Glastonbury's 50 in 2020, isn't it, which is insane, so uh, wow. yeah, you're doing well at 15. Okay, so true or false, when you enter the Latitude Festival in lovely Suffolk, you may see some sheep dyed blue and green. That's a false, isn't it, Kirsty? That is a false, but it's a technicality, really, because the sheep are, in fact, pink. The iconic pink sheep. Okay, and why, why, are, the, why are the sheep pink? It's a very good question. That was uh, one of the design elements. I think it's been there since the beginning. There's a great uh, woman called Amy J. Cadillac who does a lot of the design for the festival. And they've been Just repeat various... that again. Amy J. Jade... Amy J. Cadillac. Right. Who does a lot of the design Real for name. the festival. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's Realist a bank. 
Um, so that was one of Amy's creations, and they've been various colours through the year, but now we've sort of settled on a fairly nice sort of pink that ranges from pastel to neon, depending on, I think, how long the sheep are happy to stay still. <laughs> yeah, I, d I did actually go to the first um, couple of latitudes, and I, it is a great um, sort of sight when you first walk onto that lovely site, and... Uh, there's some pink sheep wandering around. Okay, um, the latitude of the latitude site is 52.1871 north. Now, come on, guys. You're not doing your job if you don't know this one. I think that's going to be true. Who knows? It's actually 0.872. So, um, yeah, you were one degree out. <laughs> one all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one all, yeah. Okay, and true or false, um, Lana Del Rey, one of your um, headliners for this year, her real name is Lizzie Grant, and she once released an album as May Jailer. I feel like this is going to be us being caught out by a technicality again, because it's almost true, but I don't know whether it's completely true. Yes, Kirsty, you choose. I think let's go, let's go true. It's true. It's totally true. So yeah, Lana's Ooh. real name is, so when you meet her backstage, you go, oh, hi Lizzie, Lizzie yeah, yeah. how are you doing? Loved your work as May Jailer. Um, so there you go and uh, finally um, Suffolk is where you'll find Britain's smallest pub no Britain have you I, found it yet I went to to Britain to the smallest you pub. went to Britain I went to Britain <laughs> here I am right now Ed's been to Britain I'm everyone. sure I went to the world's smallest pub in Wrexham in Wales earlier this year okay that could be the world's smallest but um, maybe not the I'm going to say that it's true, and if it is true, I'm going to go and find it on the Monday after the festival. Okay, well, you are off to the Nutshell Pub in Bury St Edmunds, Kirsty, because that is officially Britain's smallest pub. Um, it's 15 foot by 7 foot, and the record for the most people to ever to have ever squeezed in at once currently stands at 102. Wow. Cozy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully they won't all be there on a... Uh, on Latitude Weekend. Okie dokes, let's get down to business. So, um, yeah, very chuffed to have Ed and Kirsty join us. Thanks for coming all the way from uh, the other side of, of the office. Where Thanks, we... Rob. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Which we all share. Um, let's have a little intro about what you guys do, um, you know, within the festival. Um, so, Ed, first. Oh, so my title is Talent Buyer, which is quite quite corporate, quite American. Um actually a fair description of what I do. The, the, the bulk of my year is um, finding great musicians to play at the festival and then agreeing how much we're going to pay them. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact <laughs> you're so honest about it. I mean, yeah, I think talent buyer rather than sort of talent booker or curator gives it that sort of um, slightly uh, financial element. But in essence, that is what we kind of do, isn't it? I guess so. God. Yes, it's sad, but doesn't true. sound as fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you go up to people? Yeah, I'm the talent bar for a latitude. Yeah, yeah, I've decided to embrace it, Rob. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you allowed to change your um thingy? Your, your... No, like I said, I've embraced it. No, you're embracing talent yeah. buyer. It's on my Twitter bio cool. at Lilo Talent Buyer. You know. Cool. Okay, and Kirsty. Uh, so my my job title is Arts and Special Events Promoter, which is slightly more. Uh, opaque than yours, but within the context of Latitude, that means uh, programming the content across our art stages. So comedy, cabaret, theatre, dance, podcasts this year, some science content. Um, so it's, it's all of that world, isn't it? 
Brilliant. I mean, yeah, for people, hopefully there'll be some um, latitude regulars listening who 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 come who go every year. Um, but for those who don't, then you know, I think it's fair to say in a in a very um, brief overview that latitude is a, is, a, is an amazing music and arts slash theatrical slash comedy slash um, ballet and um, you know it's kind of got everything in there and. When it launched, I think you know it's fair to say that it kind of set the template for that as well. You had the big chill. You had obviously we were doing festival, but that wasn't really so sort of arty. And then Latitude came in with that sort of premise of yeah. Of, of, I think that was very much the vision for it was that um, when Melvin and Tanya were sort of creating the the idea of the concept for the festival was that it would be something that sort of uh, took something that wasn't yet necessarily happening. Um, and bringing sort of theatre companies and dance companies into into a field for what was the very first time. I think it took quite a lot of persuasion back then, uh, but luckily now we've got this incredible legacy whereby we've had the companies sort of leading theatre houses and dance companies and film directors. Um, they're all they've all taken time out of their schedules and, and come to spend time with us. So it's no longer quite such a hard sell on that front. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's come on, obviously, you know, it started, I, I went, I think I played at the first two, um, DJ'd in the woods, and um, went down and lo- loved it, and, yeah, I mean, it's come on leaps and bounds since then, and really established itself as the the sort of music and arts festival, and obviously you've got, you know, stiff competition from the likes of Wilderness, and uh, lots of other cool, cool festivals, but still, still punching above your weight, uh, 13 slash 14 years later. Um, so, away from Latitude, just quickly going into kind of first festival memories maybe so you know how old were you did you had you been to a festival before you started uh, booking latitude were you uh, or were you 
totally disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never been to a festival. Imagine if that was the case. Um, no, first festival was uh, Leeds in Leeds Festival, the, as it was then known, the Carling Weekender. Um, uh, Hasn't quite got the same ring to it. I think it was the first year it happened <laughs> in 1999. I was 14. Very excited to see Rage Against the Machine. Um, it was eye-opening. I went for the following four years after, and then the age of 19, my girlfriend at the time and I were leaving, and we said we had a great year, but I think we're too old for this now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, 14, that is that is young. I was watching that, that Alex from Glasgow kid, you know, the one oh, who's yeah. saying, um, Tiago Silva, he, he's 15, and I was, because my son's 13, and I was actually thinking, God, God, I can't be letting my kids go to a festival at the age of 14 or 15 on their own but you did you was that with parents or on your own or no my my parents on either my dad or my mum's side hadn't really thought through what a festival might entail they were quite um open to trusting me which was kind of them maybe a bit misguided and um yeah i went i went with my sister and a and a group of friends Wow. Well, I mean, age 14, I was still in spotty boy in shorts, kind of doing my French homework. I didn't <laughs> sure any festivals existed, so big up to yourself. Uh, Kirsty, um, what about you? So Ed's teed me up nicely by scoffing <laughs> at the idea of someone that had never been to very many festivals. I think the first festival I went to when I was 18, I did the Oxfam stewarding at Glastonbury. Uh, and then I once volunteered at Stand and Calling when I think I was about 21. But uh, like in all honesty, festivals hadn't really been been my thing. And in fact, the thing that attracted me to Latitude, and I suppose why it ended up being a great fit, was that it was the festival for me. If I had been, if I had known about it sooner, that would have been the place where I had had wanted to go. Yeah. So we were already working in that kind of arts world, and then you got taken into festivals. Or... I was um, I was working in publishing. I was working in the editorial team at Penguin, um, and actually read an interview uh, with Tanya, who was the previous arts curator for Latitude, uh, and sort of put that up by my desk and said, "I want to work there." Which my boss at the time was slightly surprised by when he asked me what that was, and I said, "Oh, I, I want to work there one day." Wow, so you managed to kind of get your dream job. Visualising. It's all about visualising. <laughs> listening at home, just visualise people. And you can do it. Prime Minister, King of Sweden, whatever it is you want. But have you also been to like Hay and Edinburgh and yeah, so, Brighton Festival and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, so I've been to lots of the other sort of arts festivals, you know, that, that don't have that, that music element or, you know, aren't the same sort of weekend and camping model. Um, vault Festival that happens at the vaults at Waterloo is a, a great place to spend very many evenings every March, February and March. So. Yeah. I went there for one beer this year. I <laughs> have not had that experience. Yeah, yeah. Didn't go to any shows. There's so much great <laughs> stuff there. One beer. And they've got a fantastic cocktail bar where um, one of the cocktails is served with dry porcini mushrooms. Mm. 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 Interesting. It was interesting. We referred to it as vault juice thereafter. Pos- How many did positive you have? experience? I had one. I didn't have any more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good review. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, you, you know, we're all sat in the room, all, all kind of booking booking uh, talent for, for festivals, and me and Ed may, may, may be more music, but I, I think, um, how, how does it differ, you know, booking those arts um, things? Do you think it's easier? I mean, maybe you haven't done the full music one, but, you know, obviously if you're going after Stevie Wonder or Coldplay or mm. whatever, then it's, it's you know... 
certain number of hoops to jump through. Is it the same in the sort of arts world? I mean, it, I suppose it really depends on on the sort of level of act and their sort of festival history, really, because. Um, you know, in the sort of 14 years of the festival, actually we've established it as a place where comics and theatre companies do recognise that that is a place where you can go and perform a headline show. And then that's also meant that it's become very sort of important or it can be really significant for like the younger artists, the emergent artists, um, know that performing at Latitude is a great platform for them. So there's actually um, some some eagerness among a lot of those sort of producers and makers to come and show their work at the festival, which is amazing. Um, but certainly there there are hoops. Yeah. So is it a bit like with me and Ed where we're booking music and the younger acts want to come and play our festivals because they're hopefully good festivals and then and then when you get to a certain level it's like, well yeah, if you add another two zeros to that fee and you know and they don't want to do X festival and this festival, then you might get it and then Certainly, especially in those genres which have become um, sort of the, the regular entertainment that people consume, so the comedy, for example, you know, the comics that are headlining last year would play huge shows elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so then you do find a sort of a price tag attached. But then equally, sometimes you find people um, who are willing to come and do amazing stuff, and actually they're just sold by the idea of this incredible weekend and, and all the artists that they will meet and the great conversations they'll have at that artist bar sort of at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to come back to um, to the artists in a, in a, in a minute. But um, Ed, talk us through the... Talk us, t- tell us about the site. So it's Henham Park near Southwold, which is a beautiful part of the world. A little tricky to get to. Um, you know, it's not a... No motorways or anything in that part of the world, <laughs> it's are It's deceptively easy from the M25. It's an hour and a half's drive. Okay. And <clears throat> depending which side of London you can add between six and six hours and 15 minutes to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and by train, you know, it's similar amount of time from Liverpool Street and then a, a quick half-hour cab journey from... Hailsham Station. Hailsworth. Hailsworth Station. I love um, it, man. You're selling it in very, very well. If. It's actually... There are, there are harder festivals to get to, like mm. ones in Wales, or ones on, in Scotland. Or on islands in the middle of the <laughs> There is no boat to latitude. So <laughs> no. Okay. Or and, and the actual site, you know, we've talked about the, the pink sheep and, um, you know, there's a, there's a lake there. Tell us about the topography or geography or whatever it is of the... Yeah, it's it's split in two by like a beautiful lake that you can swim in, and one half is the majority of the major stages. But then there's a beautiful forested hill with small things and medium-sized things that you can discover and stumble across. So, um, and then fields full of various levels of uh, camping. Whether you're a rough and ready noisy camper or bringing the uh, sold-out camper van to the furthest reaches of the site yeah or the, the old glamping option and is it fair to say you know like Glastonbury although new things pop up at Glastonbury every year it sort of sticks to a sort of rough formula of where everything is so people coming back nowhere yeah that's a familiarity but the, the the decor and how it how it's presented changes and every year there's new stuff to find the highlight of which is <laughs> <laughs> that gesture. Um, so one of the places where we do move things around each year is within is within the faraway forest because we have um, lots of little installations popping up and those change every year and there's a, a great central space in there where um, we have a slightly larger venue and that sort of changes iteration uh, quite frequently and this year we're launching a new podcasting stage which is uh, going to be a sort of 300 capacity 
uh, tent in the middle of the forest, which will be entirely devoted to uh, live recordings of podcasts. Podcasting, that's never going to take off. (laughs) (laughs) No, very cool. So, and what sort of people are going to be in there? Obviously people that do podcasts, but... Yeah, so we've got, um, my sort of idea was that the shows that go in there, if you were to just stay in the listening post, you should get a little bit of every genre that we have uh, at the festival. So we're opening with... Um, the Spectator doing Table Talk, which is a food-based podcast, and I've got um, Maeve McClanahan doing The Tip-Off, which is an amazing show about investigative journalism. Um, we've got Scarlett Curtis doing Feminists Wear Don't Don't Wear Pink, um, and the one the one that I when we knew we were doing this, the the one show that I wanted was Carrie Adloyd doing Griefcast in there because I think that's such a such a brilliant important show, um, and yeah. Carrie Ad's opening the stage on on the Sunday morning. So I was going to run through um, a, a little list of acts with each of you just to get a, one or two liners on them, and Griefcast was one of those because mm. that sort of piqued my interest on your on yeah. your lineup. So what, tell us about Griefcast. So Griefcast, Carrie Ad just decided that she felt that there wasn't enough. Uh, sort of spaces for us to have sort of conversations about grief and what that process can mean both sort of knowing that a loved one is dying and then the experience of their death and and what it is like to be to be bereaved um and she does the show usually with three comics so it's it's quite light-hearted but they also sort of talk about their experience um when they have been bereaved and someone has died and that person is no longer there and they also sort of there's things like sort of planning your own funeral song in the most inappropriate song possible. Um, so it's really lighthearted, but I think it's really, really important because one of the things that I have found myself caring about or talking to people about after two glasses of wine is the fact that there isn't very many forums where we talk about death in a in a sort of pragmatic way. It's all it either feels quite taboo or we talk about death euphemistically or sort of euphorically about near misses and things. Um, so I, I really admire what she's doing with that. I'm very excited that she's going to be there. No, oh, that sounds great. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, festivals should be forums where we talk about single-use plastic and the environment and death and life yeah. and uh, babies and everything in between. So that that's, that's that sounds amazing. So you, you don't have any worries that it might bring the... Uh, the happy tone down none at all especially because her guests will be comics so they're well used to reading a room and bringing it back up but the uh the panel called we need to talk about dying in the speakeasy may be a slightly different experience (laughs) um but like you say i think it's important that we use that that space to have conversations that we might not have in quote unquote real life and i think in the festival environment where it doesn't feel like real life i think people are more open to to talking about things in a way they might not otherwise yeah sure and I mean I think it's fair to say obviously mental health and you know mm. some previously sort of taboo subjects are becoming much easier for us to talk about especially younger people much yeah. younger than me but um and 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 they are coming into festivals a lot more and and you can see that I mean it does the whole your whole artistic lineup reflect that you know do you have other other people that are talking about tricky tricky subjects in inverted commas well, yeah we definitely especially in the speakeasy which is the place where we have our sort of literary poetry and spoken word and debate stuff um a few years ago we started working with the welcome trust for a few years and put in some really challenging science content and that was amazing to see that the audience are so interested in engaging with that especially if you're talking about subjects like gut health or mental health that actually have a very very real impact on our day-to-day lives and um people don't necessarily feel empowered to have conversations with like medical professionals or their family and I think if you can if you can create moments where you talk about 
death or um, there's going to be a couple of great parenting conversations, one about sort of uh, the myths around screen time or which parts of that debate are valid or Philippa Perry is going to come and present her new parenting book. Um, I just think it's an, there's an opportunity there to, to present conversations in a quote-unquote entertainment context yeah. and therefore sort of reach people in a new way. So you can go to Latitude, you can lose your marbles to Underworld and then you can go and have a nice conversation about death or, or gut health. Absolutely, that would, that would be my perfect day. <laughs> and then what's your plan with our Yeah, exactly. Well, Ed, wow. Ed was um, nodding very sagely during that and um, I mean obviously you, you're more on the on the musical side, Ed, but I, I just want to talk to you, well both, but um, about the sort of stresses and the science of booking booking the lineup. Um, now I come at it in a very sort of slapdash, um, higgledy piggledy manner where I'll just be like, okay, I've started booking. I suddenly realise that I've started booking for the next year and I've booked a couple of acts. And but then other people I know, I'm pretty sure um, John from Reading only starts with the headliners and then sort of works down. What, what's your sort of? Uh, how does your map look for? Oh, the map. So you have <laughs> your mind map. Your yeah. map to success. You have the the twenty five bands or artists who you love, who you're going to try and book every year. And Emma Banks, if you're listening, <laughs> is Lord coming back next year? Please say yes. Yeah, she's already confirmed for Camp Best for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, and then you start at the top. And if there's you know you start with the headliners. If there's people you specifically want then you say to the artists or their team like we're, we're going to offer but where you sit will depend on how the rest of the show looks but, yeah. but um, so you might book something fourth down on the main stage but not actually know that that's where it's going to be yeah like, and I think if people want to see an offer early then then they're also open to being shifted around a bit yeah, and it is getting very early, isn't it? I was just doing someone else's podcast where they were asking me about the process, and it used to be that Best Award finish in September, and then I'd start. I'd, I'd then start, you know, for for the next year. Whereas now it's, you know, easily a year in advance, isn't it? So completely. Yeah, I mean, are you I've done heard, for next year? I've heard twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two talks about really? already, but you know, that's for really big acts. But yeah, for for latitude. We're not there yet for next year, but we're making some headway and having oh, some chats. Man, this is this is making me feel very tense. <laughs> I had my first headliner conversation yesterday about um, about camp festival. So, uh, and was it a, was it a confirm, Rob? Yeah, it, uh, it was a positive. It was a positive chat. Ed, yes, we're, we're sort of making making progress. Any spoilers? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm still booking 20, 2019 version, literally. What dates are you? Twenty <laughs> fifth uh, to the twenty eighth of July. So we're in, we're in three weeks, and I'm literally still um still doing stuff for that. Anyway, enough about me. So um, the science of bu- of booking the lineup. I mean, I know I know this is kind of um meat and drink or whatever it is for us, and it's kind mm-hmm. of boring, but um. You know, just quickly talk us through actually, you know, picking up the phone or sending an email. What you know, you just say you want a book, Lord. Um, you know, let's not get into the actual money or anything. But what, how how does it work? I mean, there's unlimited money for Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, is, it, if, is if, it a phone call? Is it an email? Does it depend yeah, on the agent? And a, and a meeting, um, like try and meet all of the agents in the UK and Europe at least once over the year. Um, and lots of them more than that and whether it's a formal 
meeting in there or our office or a lunch or a, at a show. Or it's a lot of lunches. <laughs> you're looking very spelt on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Adam from The Great Escape is like, Ed, you're not having enough lunches. <laughs> <laughs> Malnourished. There's only so many days in the year to meet agents and uh, have yeah. lunches. But then they might, you know, you'll have an idea of their roster going into that conversation and they'll have an idea of your festival and that's where the first ideas come from. But often the most interesting ideas come from other places and then it will be a speculative approach or trying to convince Ben Folds to play in the waterfront, which mm. Kirsty and I did this year, or a tiny band that you see in a shed and six months later they're playing on the main stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the acts. Um, I've just literally picked five at random, so um, we'll, we'll just riff off those. Uh, let's eat Grandma. What's Melvin did a, a great quote about uh, Melvin's mm. uh, Kirsty and I's boss um, did a great quote about Let's Eat Grandma, who I love. Um, at our press day, he said, "We may have booked Lana Del Rey, one of California's biggest artists, but." the artist I'm most excited about for Latitude is Let's Eat Grandma and you know they're from the area they've grown incredibly they're playing our second stage their um, second album produced by Sophie is challenging but like incredible Um, yeah I'm just a huge fan of them yeah I was until they refused to sign to my record label and now I'm just very what transgressive uh had a more compelling pitch, Rob. Yeah, we, we got into a battle, but um, no, I, I love those girls, and yeah, they're, they're, it's their hometown show, so that's that's brilliant. Okay, you just mentioned her, Lana Del Rey, obviously that's a that's a bit of a coup, is, is that the only festival she's doing in the UK? It's the only UK festival, um, which is incredible. Wow, yeah. how do we manage that? I mean, I, I, uh, it was, did she do Glastonbury two years ago? Three, I think, she so also three. did Latitude that year. Yeah, right, or maybe four. But I mean, she yeah, stunning performer and um, not, not not definitely not overplayed like some headliners in the UK. No, she uh, she's probably played more shows in the UK, fewer shows in the last four years than some acts have played in the last two weeks. So yeah, someone's someone's just being taped up in the office over there. So um, oh, it's Mummy Mummy Wednesday. Kind of, <laughs> some kind of weird <laughs> weird game. Yeah, dressing up as mummies over there, but um. And Lana, difficult to um, difficult to land, you know, a tricky one, like Mad Rider requests and... Do you know what? It should have been much harder than it was. She was she wanted to play the show, and so um, once we figured out what the money was and what the production looked like, um, we got it over the line pretty quickly. Cool. Okay, uh, Loyal Carner just um, smashed it at Glastonbury. Loyal... He's, you know, got incredible history of the festival. People love him. New album's been really well received, although we booked him much longer before that came out. Um, it is an ama- amazing album, isn't it? One yeah. of the best of the of the year. God, hard agree. Uh, um, one of some Anna from our design team is the biggest Lil kind of fan in the world. <laughs> Shout out to Anna. Shout out to Anna. If you're Anna, not listening, she will be now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, um, Kero Kero Benito. Oh, I mean, I've seen them a dozen times. They're just really fun, but also like smart fun, not dumb fun. And um, the the record that came out was incredible. I don't know if 
a big chunk of our audience will know them, but a big chunk of our audience will love them. Will go away loving them. Exactly. And um, finally, on 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 your um, quiz, Ed, uh, Underworld. <laughs> so Underworld, we, you know, and tell us where they're playing because they're uh, where are they playing? So they're um, the special guests on a Saturday night. They're playing immediately after Stereophonics, who are the, you know officially headliners and we just wanted to find a way of ending the Saturday as a proper party you know people wrongly see Latitude as safe middle of the road when actually Mm. the forests come alive until three or four in the morning and there's loads of thrilling electronic and other music all night but um, we wanted to make a real statement with a seminal but still contemporary electronic act having a party for the last hour of the Saturday on the main stage yeah no, very good um, I mean Kirsty why Ed just said it there um, you know festivals can get stereotyped you know mm. in festival in a certain time it's, oh, it's just a 24 hour rave you know it's just loads of kids mm. like totally trolleyed um, you know forgetting about all the incredible um, other stuff that was there and you know same you know with Latitude you can get this um, sort of feedback that it is middle, middle class middle of the road you know very, very posh artsy pink sheep there and gone, <laughs> you know uh, telegraph reading and all that how, how do you sort of battle that especially with your job because you are kind of feeding into that in a way yeah it's interesting I think a certain amount of the of the program is you know the artist that 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 audience knows about and wants to see already but what i think is incredibly significant about what the festival does is it presents them with work that they just wouldn't encounter otherwise so um we're bringing in sort of big international theater companies we've got a company coming in uh two companies coming in from canada actually that 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 audience would be quite unlikely to see otherwise and then equally i don't i don't i may be wrong but i don't think a large chunk of our audience is going to sort of the fringe venues and seeing the sort of emergent theatre shows or um, the spoken word poets that we will we will bring to them at Latitude. So I think it's a real chance to show them that um, their sort of <laughs> cultural diet doesn't just need to be what you sort of see on TV or the, the first reviewed acts in the Telegraph. Yeah, and I think people have twigged onto the fact that seeing unexpected things and things they don't know at festivals is actually maybe the reason they're going all along. Yeah, it's great to see Lana Del Rey or... Um, Underworld, but you know, to watch some incredible ballet show on a sunny Saturday afternoon, you know, yeah. on a lake or wherever it is, is is a yeah, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely, and that's really part of the magic of the last year. And it's one of the things that we we say to people is that you know, it's really not uncommon to find someone that booked their ticket to see a headliner, that booked their ticket to see George or Lana, uh, to then find that person sort of in the speakeasy at midnight enjoying like some spoken word from a poet that's just released their first collection and they just would have been very unlikely to find elsewhere. Mm, totally. Well said. Okay, well let's um, delve a little bit deeper into into your world um, and just throw some names at you um, from from the lineup. Uh, Rankin? I'm incredibly excited about this one. Um, obviously, Rankin's an, an iconic, to use your favourite word, Ed. <laughs> Rankin's the photographer behind some of the most iconic images of our um, sort of celebrity culture. So he's going to come and um, give a sort of keynote address in the music and film arena um, where we'll talk about his work, including sort of his images and his film work. Um, and then on Sunday, which is going to be amazing, we're going to have a pop-up studio appear in the forest where... Um, Rankin will just be taking portraits of our audience, so it's going to be a sort of queue up and come and get your... I mean, it's a really 
sort of one of a kind chance to come and have your portrait taken by him. Yeah. Um, and he and his team have really embraced that sort of creative, collaborative sort of atmosphere at the festival. They're very excited about it. You might get. Uh, I just read that Brooklyn Beckham started an internship with him. So, oh, really? Uh, maybe Brooklyn will turn up with oh, David and I'm Victoria. I'm going to go and check out their passform immediately. <laughs> ping, uh, ping David a, call, uh, a line now. Drop him a line. Just yeah. check coming in. <laughs> See if he wants to just camp in the guest area or the uh, with the regular punters. Yeah. Yo, Dave, are you glamping or yeah. just uh, in a sleeping bag? <laughs> okay. Um, Ranking sounds amazing. Uh, wooden overcoats. What's that, what's all that about? Oh, I'm so pleased you've asked me about that. Um, that's another show that is sort of from the the death strand. Um, so, oh, no. wooden <laughs> wooden overcoats is a podcast sort of sitcoms narrative fiction, um, and it's about two competing uh, funeral directors in the English Channel. Um, so Rajyad Fon used to be the only funeral director in the village. He isn't anymore. <laughs> and uh, over sort of three seasons, this incredible uh, comedy has unfolded um, with this cast of amazing characters. And uh, they, they're some of the podcasters that have been doing sort of live shows in a really interesting format for a long time. They sort of do live versions of previous episodes. They make small changes to the script. So there's, if you're a new listener, it's, a, it's like the perfect way in. Uh, to the show and if you're someone that already subscribes and listens to it as as I was then then you'll find some sort of slightly new moments and you'll be able to go back and compare them to the episode that you had in your podcast feed. Okay, that sounds incredibly complicated and has totally mangled my brain but um, do, do the art we know we, we know about the sort of um, some of the pop star riders um, you know the yellow M&Ms and the oysters freshly shucked and stuff but uh, in the arts world is it um you know because these guys actually thinking about what they're doing they're dancing or they're Mm -hmm. philosophizing is it um is it all kind of mung bean salad and hummus (laughs) or is it uh it's quite i suppose it's quite different to sort of the music world in that most of these artists don't have a 12 page pdf writer that they just send over to you so it's it's much more a case of knowing knowing about what you saw the returning artists have in their hand the last time you met them and also just sort of gauging people and uh always googling like their name and the word vegetarian or teetotal just to see what you can find out really to do that yeah definitely because we collate all the writers out me and uh my assistant flora will go through next week and put all those together so it's really just a judgment call <laughs> what do you have in your rider casting absolutely nothing no i just have my meal tickets for the staff catering um and a refillable water bottle on me at all times oh, if rob okay. books you, you for uh, you win the medal for <laughs> righteousness if rob books you for uh, camp festival what would you have rob put on your rider mm, uh maybe like a festival branded water bottle refillable okay. Nice. Um, Ticking the boxes here. Maybe some like bounce bars for some quick energy before I go on stage, but I don't want to feel too full. Anything about death? Like a oh, I would, small book about death? Yes, I would really <laughs> love you to present me with an interesting new book that teaches me to talk about death in a way that I don't already, because I need some coaching maybe. There. That would be a black hood and a scythe. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's lighten the mood. Uh, Catherine Ryan. Oh, Catherine's amazing. She, um, We added her to the lineup quite late this year. Um, she's got... You know, incredibly busy women got lots of projects going on but uh, a couple of people in the audience did sort of say afterwards it wouldn't feel like Latitude without Catherine she's sort of come up through the ranks and now she's um, I mean she's been a headliner for a few years now she's going to open the comedy stage on the Saturday morning in, in really inimitable style Excellent and uh, finally uh, War Horse Oh that's so this year is the um it's the 10th birthday for the National Theatre's live arm so it's not the 10th birthday for the company as a whole but for their um 
live elements, which really means their sort of screenings and when they broadcast their shows around the country to the cinemas. Um, so what we're doing is a screening of Warhorse, but we are also incredibly excited to have uh, Joey, who's the puppet. Yeah. He's the horse at the centre of, of, of Warhorse. He's the eponymous Warhorse. Uh, and he's going to sort of pop up in the forest before the show and then... Uh, process with the audience down down to the theatre arena for that screening. Wow, that sounds amazing. I am coming. Uh, so it's all happening 18th to the 21st of July. Wow, that is like two weeks away. Yes, That's it even, is. God, sorry, I didn't realise I'd left it so late. But yeah, still some uh, limited tickets left or... Yeah, there's a few. Yeah. They're flying now. Wow. <laughs> they are, aren't they? <laughs> Get they in there, are. but that's incredible, uh, incredible lineup. Congratulations to both of you for, for brilliant uh, separate and combined lineups. Will, will you both be in the um, wild water swimming uh, competition or whatever it is? We're both cycling to site and then oh, dumping, uh, jumping straight in the lake, aren't we? Do, do, do you ever get in? Yeah, yeah, you know, whenever we can. <laughs> You've never I been in there, have you? <laughs> no. no, I did. Um, I did before I worked in the festival. Did you? I did have a little paddle. I've never yet done it. I might try and have a radio off half hour and just go for a dip. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, fingers crossed for beautiful sunny days for you and uh, pink sheep in abundance. And thank you very much for joining us, Latitude Festival. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.